So welcome to this week's edition of the Retail Risk Podcast, sponsored by Axis Communications, and thanks always to our supporting partners, 3X Logic, Mighty, and Aura. Now, my guest this week is Sue Parker-Tantush. Now, until recently, Sue led the health and safety transformation in the co-op, where she's been for the last five years, well-known for driving through change to improve collaboration across the entire co-op business. Sue's also got a bit of a reputation for creating positive risk safety culture through her strong leadership. Now, if you check her CV, previous experiences are Edinburgh Woolen Mill, Debenhams, do we talk about McDonald's way back when? Don't know, maybe we'll touch on that one. And latterly, uh, before her current role at Kingfisher, where she was leading uh, the European DIY chain within that business in terms of sharing best practices and breaking down the barriers, I think across 10 countries within that business. Now, um, anybody that thinks Sue is currently putting her feet up, having just left the co-op, uh, is sadly very mistaken. A trustee of Girl Guiding UK, a fabulous and well-known UK charity for girls. I also happen to know she volunteers in a number of other um, uh, charities as well, which I'll explore a little bit later with her. But for now, Sue, welcome. Hello. Nice to meet you. Nice to see you again, Paul. Yeah, great, great to have you here. Now, um, lots to talk about, but... Before we get into your career and your background, there is a young Sue sat at school peering out of the window. What was the what was the intended career? What did what did you want to do? Was it was it a life in retail and uh, risk and safety? Um, absolutely not. <laughs> I think like most people kind of fell into that. Um, I was definitely going to be an English literature teacher. Okay. Um, and I think, you know, children all over the world were lucky to escape that because I don't think I'd have patience and it is really hard work. Um, yeah, I felt I ended up doing um, Italian um, and history at university. Um, that actually did lead to my first job, um, which was McDonald's. Mm. <laughs> so McDonald's were recruiting for um, someone to train their very first managers to open their store in Milan. It was going to be their first um, store. Um, I think to the horror of some of my professors, I thought, oh, I'm so fed up of sitting at a desk. I'm going to go for it. And I did that for about a year and a half, which was my first sort of retail-ish um, foray, really. And it was a, it was interesting because all the exams were in English and those guys could not speak a word of it. So it was it was challenging, but it was fun. Um, so, yeah, I, that was it. Then my path completely changed, really, into doing something a bit different. Well, nice to see somebody come out of university or, or sort of take the time to learn uh, Italian in your case and then and then instantly put it to use yeah. in the commercial world. So yeah. that makes sense now. When I when I looked down and I saw, I think I even saw a reference to uh, um, the Italian stores at McDonald's. So uh, yeah. do, do they still have your picture up on the wall? Uh, <laughs> I very much doubt it. That was a long time ago. <laughs> There you go. So look, um, you've literally uh, just left your post at uh, the co-op. Yeah. Any insight in terms of what you're plotting, what we can expect next from you? Is it uh, is an extended stay by the pool and a and a, and a pina colada? What, what what are you thinking? Um, I'm getting quite a lot of feedback from friends and family to say you need to rest and um, they've even asked for photographic evidence of it because it isn't one of my strengths. Um, I think I, I think I am going to take a bit of a break, but um, which involves me doing some studying and doing other things like this and I've have got my non-exec position, but 
um, then I, I really want to get back into the workplace and it's going to be probably helping other boards and execs with their strategy in terms of safety or risk governance, because that's what I really love. I really like looking at where the root cause of something lies and making sure that you step back and you've got a really strong governance framework. So I'm probably going to be looking at that, to be honest. But I think I'm keeping my options open at the moment. I feel really lucky that I've actually got the opportunity to pause. So it's pause, reflect and then make big decisions, I think. Yeah, and it's um, yeah, it's interesting. You know, certainly for the uh, the five years that you were at the co-op, you um, you know, without uh, uh, sounding like I'm sort of trying to get hired as your personal assistant, but you know, you really did um, you know get a lot of credibility, and a lot of people spoke very highly of the work that you were doing and what was going on at the co-op, and it was quite a you know, the co-op was not always perceived as the most dynamic of organizations. I worked there many, many years ago, um, but I know latterly it, it has been doing some terrific stuff. And I'm yeah. guessing, is it fair to say you you found an organization that was willing to change or was it a little bit, uh, you sort of uh, drag, dragging the stone up the hill? I think there, is, there was always a willingness to change, but I think it was very similar to when I started in Kingfisher. You've got a business that has, um, it's, a, it's a group of businesses, so people tend to work in their own siloed way and don't always see the benefit of crossing over and working in a collaborative way. So I think I had the same challenge there as I did at Kingfish initially, that, but where what we're doing is okay and that works. And when you're looking at a group like the co-op and Kingfisher, things fall through the cracks, um, you know, particularly with things like, you know, the retail arm and then support functions. So I think once I got people around the table, initially there was some resistance and a bit of scepticism, but then they could see that I'm not there to say, I don't work in a top-down way. I never go into any job and say, I know best, this is what I'm going to do, and I impose it. I go in, so I go in with a view of let's sit together, let's get to the root cause of why we can do better and where things are going wrong. And then you just bring people on the journey with you then. Um and and you know, it sounds a bit, um, you know, leadership speak, but it really does work. You know, you've got to have everyone, everyone's buy-in. And and I think, yeah, I think, so I think, I, yes, I'm proud of what I achieved, but I didn't do it on my own. It was with my amazing team and it was with the collaboration of everybody really across the business, all the stakeholders. So, yeah, it was yeah, good. And I think you're right there. You know, the big stick approach only works for a short period of time. Yeah, uh, yes, got yeah. to get people on board. And yeah, um, yeah I, I've had people speak highly of you, and you've not even been in earshot. So okay. it, wasn't, it wasn't as <laughs> if good. it wasn't as if they were they were they were you know trying to make sure of a promotion. And so, I haven't paid people, so that's a positive. <laughs> it, it's, I always say, just uh, pay people, just uh, just make sure that brown envelope goes to the right people because everybody <laughs> will tell you they're in influence. So look, prior to leaving, um, I don't know if you can give any sort of insight to you know what what the what took up the bulk of your time what what did yeah. your day-to-day -day look like you know sue sat down in the morning opened up the laptop the butler yeah. brought you a cup of tea in the morning you know what what, what, 
What, the the what bottle and my husband, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the bottle was my husband in hybrid work and bringing yeah. me a cup of tea. He became quite well known in teams meetings for yeah. drifting in. Um, yeah, I think day to day, it was really about making sure that we, we built the foundations of the house, I think, um, initially in the first couple of years. And then it was about uh, making sure that we're continuously improving. So it's looking at our accident management system, making sure that we were adding to that, working through a lot of changes on there because that was perpetually changing for improvement looking at um, the policies and processes we had in place because they were sort of a starting point for the businesses to build on and then just my team we had a it was a business partnership approach so it was talking to the to my team looking at each individual business that they were partnering seeing where there was room for improvement or seeing where we could learn from them so it was it was talking to people really I suppose was the bulk of my day and then in terms of um, you know the reporting then it would be making sure I was prepped for exact reports board reports so but I suppose the biggest thing you do in this position is is keep looking for problems and then solving them isn't it so I think I suppose that was the overriding thing throughout the day really and, and those problems or the areas where you can improve were they were you tasked or tasked yourself with going out and trying to identify them were they being thrown over the wall and going Sue this has been a problem for 30 years can you try and fix this what what was the sort of uh, where did they arrive from I think it's mostly um you do get I suppose particularly in safety you get something thrown over the wall you know as in a serious incident and then you just have to deal with it then and then and I, and I was in a good good routine and had really trained everybody on how to um, deal with the really serious stuff so that became a routine then for everything else, I think you have to go out and find it. You have to go out and talk to people. And, you know, initially in the co-op, it was the conversations I had, you just open a can of worms because it would be someone would throw in, oh, yeah, and we've got a laundrette. And you think, oh, God, <laughs> something else to think. <laughs> I didn't know we had that. But in an organisation like that, you've just got to keep going out and asking the question, really. How do you deal with this? How do you deal with that? Um and yeah, so you've, you've got to be really interested, I think, in what you do. And that's how you find out. You lift up these stones and sometimes you think, God, wish I'd lifted that one up today. But <laughs> Yeah, and I guess, yeah, I, I had no idea the cop had laundrettes. But actually, when you think about the business, I guess there's some retail sites that will have traditional retail. So grocery sat alongside, yeah. is there still eye care? pharmacy and the and the quirks that the, the that brings funeral um, yeah funeral care yeah so i care in pharmacy we had pharmacy for a bit while i was there and then that went um but there's still certainly funeral care um and and i think the businesses are vastly different and then there's some financial services and then you've got all the corporate centers and logistics so it was um it was really, really diverse, but, you know, everyone had the same goal, though, which made it easier to do your job. You know, it was all about, you know, protecting the company, protecting people. Um, so, yeah, very different, very diverse. But I like that. I like diversity. Yeah. And, and you mentioned, you know, everybody's got the same goals there. I mean, you know, vast retail experience over a, a few years. So, you know, when you look at the retail landscape at the minute, what mm. sort of specific challenges do you think retailers generally are facing around safety risk framework I mean you know if, if somebody was to say I don't know can it be as simple as what are the top three areas that people need to look at I mean 
you know, it must be the world's biggest list. How, how do you sort of yeah. get a starting point, do you think? I, I think that we are, in many ways, the retail landscape hasn't changed from when I started out in that um, I think we still, um, set leaders tend to still chase the obvious things first. So I think we chase sales, we chase add-on sales, and then we assume that profits will take care of themselves. And what we don't do is really look at the underlying um, foundations of the business and where the leakage is. So I think people are very good at setting a strategy for sales and growth and not necessarily for protection at the same time. And I, I don't think that's largely changed. I think to me, the analogy I always think of retailing is, is that it's like water companies. They tell you to save water, but they haven't fixed the leaky pipes. Mm. And I think, you know, you, you make sure your pipes don't leak as you're driving the other messages. Um, so I think with the advent of sort of enterprise risk now, because when because when I started out, because I'm in around far too long, which we are, need, don't need to go into detail on. When I started out, it was very much risk was financial services. Now there's enterprise risk. And I think we're all getting better at that and how we can use risk to help you to do things and to enable you to do things. But I still don't think we get that profit protection strategy right from the beginning in the control environment so i think that's that's for me is the secret of success let's do things in tangent this is how we're going to make money and this is how we're not going to lose it and we do it at the same time yeah and i guess your, your point there about you know the water companies and the leaking pipes if you're trying to tell people to do something you know at the very front end but it's blatantly obvious that it's yeah. just hemorrhaging yeah cash yeah. product at the back end yeah that's a that's a difficult sell isn't it when you say it please is. make your job a little bit harder yeah just to it do is. this bit and uh, don't worry about that behind the scenes it absolutely is and that's the that's not the sexy bit of a new strategy is it you know we're going to launch this amazing new product it's incredible but the but the boring bit is the you know as i think i always say the foundations of the house isn't it it's the it's the structure in place at the at you know, the base to make it really work and we still got to get that right and i think you know we've, we've got great technology now in 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 all sorts of fields in safety and in loss but I think the basic um, structure of how you build these things doesn't change. It still needs great management, doesn't it, to make it succeed? And, and I guess, you know, using your analogy there, the foundations, they don't even get seen on a day-to-day -day basis, do they? They just sit no. on the ground and everything's built on it. So they are, yeah. they are not the sexy bits at all. You can't paint those yeah. a shiny colour. or Yeah, no. but they're not barriers. They should no. be enablers. And I think that's that's where we all need to still work together I think in retailing um you know alongside I learned I I realized quite early on in my career that I could not get excited about launching a sale so that wasn't the right direction for me and I needed to go more into operations so that's not my strength that's someone else's strength but I think people like me who look at the more boring bits I suppose which I don't find boring but other people will um, need to work with the people who find the sales stuff really interesting and then between you then you're gonna you're gonna fix it aren't you that cash loss that stock loss that security so I think it's that's where we need to get better I think there you go I'm not sure it's boring I think any sports team there might be the <laughs> the striker or the goal scorer that gets the headlines but if there's not the you know the girl in the middle of the uh, the pitch doing the hard work yeah. then you know the lionesses wouldn't have won 
the European. No, Championship. absolutely, yeah. So you know, yeah. somebody's got to do the the hard work for uh, yeah. somebody else to take the glory and the and the golden <laughs> boot. Now, look, um, you've consistently operated at the top of the industry for a number of years now. Mm. One thing I'm always interested in is, you know, to get to that level, you know, you must have an ability, a strategy to influence senior management or the board to get what you want. So um, I presume we're talking about, you know, presenting your idea so that somebody goes, yeah, we need to back this either with resource, mm -hmm. people, cash. What, what's your top tip for that? Because often within the retail risk conferences that how do I get my board to take yeah. interest in what I'm trying to do is one of the main challenges people have. So, you know, what, what Sue's top tip for, for getting the board to, uh, to give you what you want? I think you have to, your message has to match the audience. And you have to, there has to be a what's in it for them. And you have to come, even if you don't come with a full solution, you have to come with part of a solution because that's what gets your credibility. I think you, so So if, if there is a specific safety issue, for example, I wouldn't go to the board giving them the minutiae because they don't, they don't, they're not interested. They've got, I mean, I know now from being an exec, you know, my paper, it would be one of at least 200 pages because I their pages are vast. And that's what you've got to think about. What's the one big thing they need to know, you need their support on, and what you believe the solution could be, but that you're happy to listen to their challenge and support. And I think that's how you really engage it then. You've just got pitch at the right level and be able to um, read the room as well. Right. That's interesting. So less is more in that situation. Yeah, totally. Yeah. One totally, page, totally. major problem, here's a recommendation. Yeah, yeah. whenever I've, I've had, um, you know, uh, extracts for, for board papers from my team, I end up cutting and cutting and cutting and saying, what's the one big thing that you want them to take away? Um, and that's what will really resonate then as well as if you can make it, and if you can make it, you know more personal and you know if you can really get to know you, the board and the exec and understand what what you what's making them tick and also link it to the current strategy as well so it's not just some left of field idea that you've come up with but they can see the link and why because i think the 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 biggest skill you can have I think at a more senior level is to be able to cut through all the rubbish and the noise and the nonsense and get to the heart of the problem and that's what those, those board members and execs are able to do really quickly so you need to mirror that with what you're presenting to them. Yeah interestingly you, you know you sort of hear talk of people saying well I wrote a you know a 20 page document that detailed yeah. why we needed to do this and I yeah. can't believe it's you know it's yeah. not made it onto the agenda or it's not been taken forward. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that, that, that will always be, you know, if yours is the fifth paper they're reading that day, um, it's not going to work. You've got, got to you know, sock it to them, I suppose, but in a more professional way. <laughs> yeah. what, what, one, one page and some simple drawings. Yeah, yeah. Scenario A, scenario B, which one would you like? Uh, uh, you know, absolutely. That's the, perfect, yeah. that's the perfect board paper hmm. because you think, okay, I know what you want. I understand it. I agree or disagree, but let me hear what you've got to say. And that's it. There you go. Sue's top tip. You know, scenario yeah. A, do nothing. It looks like this. It's red. You know, scenario yeah. B, you do something. It's black. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. For every type of business, 
The power of a data-driven security video management system designed to give you total control anywhere, anytime. 3X Logic. Now I know um, that you are a big advocate of volunteering. And, yes. Uh, not only do you like to have the huge corporate job, but um, if that wasn't enough, you uh, you get involved in volunteering. <laughs> I, I'm fascinated to know what that looks like. So give us a rundown of, of what it is you're involved in. And I'd be really interested in why you do it and, and why you think it's a good idea. Um, well, the I'm the chair of a Cope Academy. Um, so I'm going to continue with that, I'm pleased to say, which is um, really good news for me. Um, why do I do it? So it's, I think there are two reasons to volunteer. Um, one, um, it's got to be something that you really care about and you really want to make a difference. And two, um, there's nothing wrong with having a selfish reason to volunteer and that it helps you in your development because you're more likely to do a great job of it. Um, so my school is an inner city school in Birkenhead. I was born in Birkenhead. It's tough economically. Um, and I want the children in the school where I'm chair to get the best opportunities they can. And I think it's a warm, nurturing school, but it needs to be so much more than that. So that's why I do that, because I just believe so strongly all children that have the same opportunity to succeed. And that isn't always the case. Um, and then I suppose for the same reason, um, I'm, I'm a trustee of Girl Guide in UK. Now, I was a scout leader, um, so I was on the um, other side, but they've forgiven me because we do work closely together. Um, and it's the same thing, really. I want Girl Guiding to succeed. Um, I want to make sure that girls across the spectrum, across the social spectrum, gender, colour, have the same opportunities to have fun, have adventures and just get a really good start in life. And I saw it firsthand as a scout leader, how it doesn't just give them somewhere to go over a week. It can be quite life changing for them in terms of their confidence. So, yeah, so I would highly recommend it. You get more than you'll ever put in. Right. For sure. And just out of interest, what, what started you on your journey to volunteering? What what uh, what ignited um, I was a typical parent who, um, in spite of, I think, the one being who did more hours than anyone else, was the one who always turned up. So I turned up to help. Then I then they sort of wrote me in to be chair. And then I eventually ended up in uniform. So I think that's, I think, start, we started with my children, really. But they've got the same ethos with their careers and what they volunteered in the past as well. So... Yeah, I think it's just just trying to think of someone else, really. I don't want to sound like some Mother Teresa figure, but, you know, it's just about trying to look outside your own world, isn't it, really? Yeah, although it is, I mean, I, I, I think it's absolutely fantastic, you know, and we need people to volunteer to make all of these organisations tick. I was just smiling in the background, reminding me when I volunteered for the PTA at the school where my boys go, thinking I'd sort of put, uh, you know, some representation on, on there and then before I knew it I was in charge of organizing uh, yeah. most of the events at the school so yeah uh, that's how it works <laughs> and I'm chair so, uh, I'm now chair of the audit and risk committee for okay. Bill Biden so that's another layer but but it's all good for I enjoy it it's, it's great yeah no band staging setup 
you know, everything for the for the, for the black tie. <laughs> oh my goodness, team. yeah. <laughs> They're like, oh, you know what you're doing. You can do that. So little do they know, I'm just the uh, the face at the front. There's there's people far more talented than me behind the scenes here that make it all happen. But anyway, there you go. So um, look, just going back to um, you know, the the retail world for a mm. minute, and and there may or may not be an answer to this, but I'm always fascinated if um, people have sort of one go to um piece of magic if you like so from a risk and safety perspective if you were to sit down let's say you do go back into the corporate world what's what's your go-to magic what's your first bit is there a piece of technology that gives you an insight into your world is it you know a 10 volume encyclopedia of uh, health and safety policy what what, what's the starting point what's the first bit of magic Um, well, well, it's not the latter because that would not be very exciting read, would it? Let's be honest. It's um, it's the in, having a great instant management system for me because the data that has provided has been incredible. Um, certainly when I worked at the co-op, that actually massively opened our eyes up to what we, we knew was happening in terms of retail crime, but we had literally no concept that it was so prevalent. Um, and that data then was used to petition the Home Office, to, uh, it was used towards fighting uh, retail crime. So I think don't assume you know what's going on in your estate, uh, regardless of what role you're in and what your business is. You need great data. Um, and, and with that with that data, you can then do anything. You can really start to change the world that you're working in. And um, so that, to me, is the go to, you know, and. Be brave as well. Don't don't just go off the shelf. Use something that you can adapt that works and adapts with your business as well. So for me, that that has been the one big thing. Yeah, definitely. And, and have you trained yourself to look at that data and and analyze it? Is that is that something that you get excited about, or yeah, are you are you that person? Or I, is the... I, I, um, I I wouldn't. I'm not the person who can. Um, manipulate the data because I've got to say if any of my old team are listening to this they banned me from the system because I am one of those people who goes what does this button do so <laughs> I'm at risk of breaking it so um but yeah certainly um I would I would certainly look at and analyze the data but I'm not an expert so I also think that any great and, and modern loss prevention risk or safety organization needs really good quality data on our list now i don't think you can continue without that i don't think that's nice to have anymore no i think you're right it's um there are a few retailers that are sort of still operating as as retailers did 10 15 years ago and yeah. you can see yeah. they just don't know what they i had a conversation just last week with somebody in um well, given away within the sort of um you know building and uh, and, and diy space um, and they said, no, 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 we don't have a problem with uh, with uh, risk or loss within our trade accounts. Great. Wow. OK. Uh, and it turned yeah. out they don't monitor anything at all. So, yeah. Um, um, yeah. I mean, I think when I became an operations manager, which started me on this particular journey, I mean, my mantra was never assume. And I think that's done me quite well over the years. Yeah. In fact, I think the comment was, we've never had a problem with uh, with that part of the business. In in fact, now you're reminding me. How unusual. (laughs) um, There's only so far I can suggest they might want to look at it. Why would we waste time? But anyway, there you go. Um, Off air, I'll tell you who that is. You might want to approach them. Okay, absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) 
So look, um, finally, and I know you're you're on the foundation side, but you know, retail's been through um, a number of challenges over the last few years. Yeah. You still seem to be passionate and excited about retail. Looking forward, you know, what's your take on it? Do you see more of a focus on those building blocks? Have you any insight on whether we're going to have more stores? Is it going e-com? You know, you've been privy to lots of conversations. What was your crystal ball telling you? I think, interestingly, there's an awful lot of talk now about people going back to cash again. So I think um, I'm questioning now whether as retailers we're ready for that because we've come away from it so much, particularly from a loss prevention perspective. So I think that's going to be something to watch. Um, And I don't think the customers have turned off the high street. I think they actually want a bit of both now. But I think, you know, going back to what I said earlier, really, if you've got really, if you've got this same kind of systems and data analytics that you had ten years ago, then you're not ready for the future. So I think we need to move more quickly with those fields really to adapt to what the customer's demanding. But I think it's going to keep getting interesting. I think it's going to be a real mix. You know, people want to go out there; they want to browse. I think the other thing I'm seeing is that large organisations have got access to, you know things like instant systems um, loss prevention tools and techniques I wonder what's happening with the SMEs really and whether what we need to do is start to plug the gaps in the smaller in the smaller organizations as well with what we with what what support they can be given Mm. yeah I think you're right I mean there's um retail has always been a very you know dynamic industry but uh, it's it's on a whole new level isn't it at the minute I mean once upon a time you know it was Yes, you had to be reactive. But to your comment there about cash, we're talking about being reactive in a matter of weeks, not a, not a sort yeah. of six-month steer. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Um, and Sue, um, it's, a, it's an absolute pleasure. I think you've got uh, an unbelievable uh, wealth of knowledge and insight. So thank you for sharing a little bit. Thank uh, you. Despite your best intentions, I doubt that you'll be able to uh, sit poolside for too long. I'm sure. Uh, um, yeah, I, yeah, it's not a strength. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll drag you back in. Uh, but for now, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much indeed. I dare say uh, I'll see you very soon again. But for now, Sue, thank you very thank much. Thank you. Thank you. It's been great.